Hello, everybody. Robert Rose here. Before you enjoy today's show, just wanted to make a quick note. Yesterday, Wednesday, December 15th, is when we recorded the show you're about to listen to. And today, Thursday, December 16th, just a couple of hours ago, actor Chris Noth was accused of sexual assault. And we talk a lot about uh, Chris Noth, the ad from Peloton, and of course, the Sex and the City actor and all of the things that ensued uh, from the news earlier this week in the show. We, when we recorded the show, of course, had no knowledge of the sexual assault charges, but we decided to leave in this segment of the show just to keep the show intact and because of its late hour. So just know that as you listen to the beginning of the show and as we're laughing and joking, we had no idea of the seriousness of the sexual assault charges that would ensue today. And so just know that we take this very seriously and we wanted to make a note before you heard the show in case there was anything that was upsetting for you. All right. On with the show, and thanks so much for listening. And now, for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose. Welcome to episode number 302 of This Old Marketing, recorded on Wednesday, December 15th, 2021. And with me, as always, my good friend, my colleague, and, well, as it turns out, a big guy who can definitely survive a hard workout on the Peloton, Mr. Joe Polizzi. <laughs> a big, are you a, a Peloton? big are, guy. Yeah, uh, a big I, guy. Yeah, I do not. It? Do you have yeah, a Peloton? I don't have a Peloton. Do you? I do not have a Peloton. We well, I should say we had a Peloton. Oh, entry. Um, and, well, only because it would you know it's a piece of furniture, right? And and there's no sort of putting it somewhere where it's not a piece of furniture. Um, where you know, and our the way our space is laid out, it's going to be there. I mean, it's just you know and. I, honestly, I mean, if I'm completely transparent here, which I, of course I am on this show, <clears throat> it just didn't go. It just, you know, it didn't go with the rug, as the dude might say, you know. Um, and so we didn't, you know, we, we basically got rid of it. Yeah, you, so it was it was great. Do you remember the movie? That, I think it's called This is the End with Seth Rogen and Jonah Hill. Do you remember? Do you ever watch that show? Yes. So remember the part, so I'll get to the point. You remember the part when they go into, I forgot what's his name's house, the celebrity, and he has the television that comes out of the floor, and they're like, oh my God, that's what you need for your Peloton. The Peloton yes. is not normally furniture, but when you hit your button, because you know, you live in, it's exactly, you, you it. have that Hollywood yeah. experience because you know, you live in the hills and all that stuff. It just comes up out of the floor. You should have that. Yeah, Why you, you're probably the, should Kanye have. has it. He lives right down the street from you. <laughs> he doesn't anymore. He got divorced, but yeah. <laughs> I didn't know he moved though, but uh, I thought you well, were still lunching yeah, with I mean, Ye. it's her I house. I thought you were still lunching, yeah, lunching be- with Yay and the whole thing. Uh, no, uh, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> No, it's uh, you know, it's him and Drake who live down the street. Tip did live down the street from each other. Um, of, of for those of you who have not been keeping up with the show, a few blocks from where I live. Um, um and, and but I think I'm 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 ninety. I mean, of course, I don't know for sure, but but my assumption is is that Kim kept the house. So 
So yeah. maybe we'll see Pete Davidson hey, running around hey, the neighborhood oh, now. My my youngest loves Pete Davidson, so we'll be we'll be visiting more often than I visit you. Um, you know, back to your back to your, back to your point about the whole yeah uh, Peloton Pe- thing. Peloton thing, it, yes, and Mr. Big. I, yeah. So you probably should should tell the story of of how this whole thing happened, right? Because a lot of people don't know. I didn't know until you shared it with me. Well, I, I I will tell you, and and this is a huge huge spoiler warning for those of you who are fans of the new rebooted Sex in the City show. Oh, so so um, if you so if you want to watch, I'm giving it, you, you pause now. You shouldn't listen to this part, right? If you don't, and, right? And if you haven't heard this yet, you've been living under spoiler. a rock. Well, I, I um, that's me. A fan, I didn't even well, know. But you're not a fan of the show. I, yeah, but you're not a fan no, of the not, show. No. So anyway, so. Let's just say that uh, the a major character um, is working out on a peloton and has a heart attack and dies uh, on the on the show. To which Peloton then remarkably two days later came out with a response ad um, that was done by uh, um, Ryan Reynolds' agency. Uh, and they did a wonderful piece of content as a response to this that basically has the actor, Chris Noth, who plays Mr. Big on the show, and the Peloton instructor from the show and also the real Peloton instructor who is who was cast on the show um, talking in front of a fire and basically saying, you know, he's still alive, right? And Ryan Reynolds then comes over with a voiceover saying that basically – Peloton's great for your heart health and all sorts of things, and it's a very cute, very funny thing. The everybody's the reason it's being covered everywhere is how rapidly they put all this together, and people are like, "How how did they not know? How you know? How do you put this together so quickly?" And from well, all the research I've done, basically going out there, this piece of content that they put out was organically done. It was, in other words, they got, they somehow got Chris Noth scheduled, got the Peloton instructor scheduled, got a studio booked, got everything done, got this shot and cut in literally 48 That's or 36 hours. Awesome. It, I mean, so, it's incredible. So basically to and, go, yeah. I'm sorry, to go back just so everyone's clear. So the, this, yeah. this episode, the episode from Sex in the City happens. Peloton knows over the weekend. Peloton, yeah. the company, over the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Peloton, the company knows that, that there is a Peloton involved, but they didn't know the exact circumstances. So it was a that negative. Correct. That, so immediately, yeah. right. The I think the, the I don't know if the stock took a hit or not, but when the rebuttal ad came out that Ryan Reynolds' agency did, the stock just took off in a positive way. That's right because of the rebuttal. Yep. So that's right. Talk about so yeah. David Merriman Scott is loving this for its real time marketing aspect. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's just a brilliant piece of content done in a quick way. Now, is it true that they? actually did it in 36 hours and didn't know and or as i think here's my you know so what's the conspiracy my my conspiracy right so i here's what i believe i don't i believe it's somewhere in the middle so what i believe is they knew the peloton was going to be in the episode they knew it was going to play a pretty prominent role um, because of the, I'm sure because of the way that it was acquired and probably permissions were gotten and the fact that that Peloton instructor was cast. So they knew it was going to play a prominent role in the episode, but they didn't know what that's my take is that they didn't know what. So what they did was they got everything set up 
just in case. In other words, they got everybody all together. They got a studio booked. They got all the creative talent together. And they said, we don't know what the script is going to be yet, but we know we're going to do something. We're going to respond with something. And then when it came out, they were all ready to roll into triage mode and basically put it all together. Because I just don't believe that they started with an empty whiteboard on Monday morning and said, we have to have a finished commercial by Tuesday and came up with that. I just, I, I can't believe that with the way that, you know, actors are booked, the unions, the yep. shoot, the studio booking, all, all that stuff. Yeah, that, that just doesn't happen in 24 hours. So I, I have to believe that they knew something was up and had something planned, but they didn't maybe know what. It well, was. we'll put all the links in the show notes so people can get access yeah, to it. as well, sure. Or you can just Google it, obviously. But I, I did. I read the article you sent me from, I think, Axios, or I don't know where it was from. And then that's right. It was. I mean, there's a bunch of people covering it, got it. but that was was just a nice, nice summary. summary. Yeah. And then I had to go find, you know, found the video on on YouTube, and I'm like, oh, that's very nice. I get I get the whole thing. Amazing how that reaction can have such. I guess it. They said it added. I mean, of course, depends on how you look at it. It added 900 million dollars in market cap or something like that to Peloton stock because it shot up so much. From the news. Yeah. So uh, probably uh, yeah. it didn't cost them $900 million to do the ad. So I think there's a positive no, ROI the, on that. Yeah. I'm not, I'm no yeah, math. Exactly. I'm no well, accountant. And, but. <laughs> and by the way, a huge feather in the cap of Ryan Reynolds' agency. You know, I mean, and for those of you who don't know, Ryan Reynolds has been getting big and heavy into marketing, into he has his own agency now where he's creative director and, and it's a huge hat tip to them to be able to pull this off um, and and get the credit for it, which is, you know, <laughs> let me put it this way. Their phone is ringing right now. I guarantee you their phone is ringing. So, you know, it, it's the, you know, it's how content can make a difference today. This is, you know, you want to know how to pierce the noise. You want to know how to react to, as you said, DMS, David Meerman Scott's real-time yep. marketing. This is what it's all about these days. This is this is the strategy. This is you got to be you got to be ready to move. Yeah, I'm impressed. Well, Ryan Reynolds, one of the very few celebrities that are also it's also an entrepreneur and has done some exactly. amazing things with his uh, with the business side. So, you know, before we get I know we we sort of skipped over our, uh, you know, not talking about anything period of the show. But I ha <laughs> <laughs> but I have to mention, did you hear the news in Cleveland? Have you heard? What's going on? I think are you are you're the only one without COVID, right? I mean, I think that's yes, the, that's the news. So basically, uh, so so this is Wednesday's. This comes out, and by the way, I was pretty down on the Browns last show. Obviously, so because we were six and six, and I basically yep. told you if they don't win the game against the Ravens, they're out of it. Well, luckily they held on to that victory and won. And believe it or not, if the Ravens lose. Next this coming weekend, and the Browns win. The Browns are in first place, which is yeah, shouldn't happen. Okay, so we're all feeling good in Cleveland. We're like, okay, we've had a bad stretch. Baker hasn't played great, but we've still got this thing. We've still got a path. We win out, or we win most of our games coming up. We're we're into the playoffs. This is great. I keep getting notifications here, Robert, that yet another person on the team has COVID, and I think. Right now, as of uh, 2.25 Eastern time, as we're recording this right now, there's 14 players and two coaches on the vid list. Four, <laughs> oh 14. God. I don't know how yeah. we're going to field a team. I think our entire offensive line is out. 
Um, <laughs> Baker and Baker's out. It. They may move. They may move it. They may if if it if it gets to a point, they may actually. Because guess what? They did that for guess who? They did that for last year. They did it for the they Ravens. They did it for the Ravens, year. but again, that was at the beginning. That's before they had all the protocols and set up. I don't think they're I don't think they move. I think that in this case you have to treat them all like they're on IR and you have to go find, you know, pull players off the practice squad. I, yeah, it's going to be tough. I I I hear you. I, I it's, you know, it's the most Browns thing ever. We, one of my buddies, we were <laughs> he was like, "I think I I think I can suit up." I, I think that yeah exactly. I think, you know I know I'm 50 but you know I think we can make it happen so it's just it's just kind of crazy what's going on so the game is Saturday against the Las Vegas Raiders and and I mean I'm a season ticket holder I'll plan on being there but it's just yeah I don't know who's gonna be on the field um so so very uh, very concerning times here in Cleveland congratulations to your Cowboys. You're you're feeling good right well, now. Yeah, right. You're like nine they're, and four. Well, they're winning, but they're winning ugly. Yeah, yeah they're but the, you know so they need to clean a lot of things up, and they got the New York Football Giants this coming weekend. So, hi Dennis Shaw. We'll be we'll be chatting over Twitter, I'm sure, during the game. But um, yeah, it's uh, uh it, we'll see we'll see we'll see. I you know we're feeling mildly optimistic at this point, and we are not getting hit with the we got hit with the COVID bug about three weeks ago, but uh, that seems to have abated. By the way, uh, Bill Belichick would never say that winning ugly is a bad thing. That's true. Because he is That's a master true. at winning ugly. He's he's probably yep. won more games where you would say that the other team played better and New England won. He's very, yep. very good at that. So, I mean, just talk oh, to yeah. the Buffalo oh, fans yeah. about uh, about that yeah. whole thing. <laughs> exactly. they, didn't, they threw one pass yeah. the entire first half of that game yeah whatever but yeah uh, okay we're done with the football portion of of this that's old right. marketing and i'm sure we have a a show to get to so i will let you take that's it. right for all of you who hit forward like five times to get through the spoiler alert of sex in the city and uh and football you have arrived you have arrived at the beginning of the news that we'll cover here <laughs> and the first story that we will cover uh is a paired story we have two two things to pair together um, cause, and you'll see why in just a moment, but the first one comes courtesy of NBC news, which I guess Joe, you've told me is big news. Um, yep. I, I'm not familiar with this, uh, this person, but, um, uh, apparently a lot of people are enough for him to make the NBC news. Hassan Piker, the headline says, says Twitch banned him for using derogatory term for white people. Uh, Piker, who has more than 1.6 million followers on his account, said he wants Twitch to make a decision about the word's acceptability. The article goes on to say, basically, Hassan Piker, one of the most prolific streamers on Twitch, said Monday evening he was banned for using the word cracker during a live stream. Piker, who has more than 1.6 million followers on his account, uh, Hassan Abi. Uh, and spends hours each day talking about politics and news from a leftist position, addressed being kicked off the platform in a YouTube video Tuesday saying he feels the platform is taking a cowardly quote-unquote position uh, by not immediately commenting on why his channel was banned. The article goes on to <laughs> describe the definition of the word I cracker, which I find yeah, amusing exactly. um, in and of itself, um, as if we really <laughs> needed that to be defined. Um, we're pairing it with a story uh, from basically the New York Times, also fairly mainstream media here. Um, and the headline here is, her Instagram handle was Metaverse, and last month it vanished. 
Five days after Facebook changed its name to Meta, an Australian artist found herself blocked with no seeming recourse from an account documenting a decade of her life and work. This is from Sydney, Australia. Teamai uh, Bauman, I believe would be the pronunciation, an Australian artist and technologist, found herself sitting on prime internet real estate. In 2012, she started an Instagram with the handle of Metaverse, a name she used in her creative work. She documented her life in Brisbane, where she studied fine art and travels to Shanghai, where she built an augmented reality company called Metaverse Makeovers. She had fewer than 1,000 followers when Facebook, the parent company of Instagram, announced on October 28th it was changing its name. Henceforth, Facebook would be known as Meta, a reflection of its focus and blah, blah, blah. We all know that story. Basically, she found her account was disabled. And after trial and tribulation, spoiler alert, as the article goes on to finish, she did get it back, but only after the New York Times actually called Meta to go, um, excuse me, what the heck is up with this? And she got her name back in what uh, Instagram and Facebook said was a misunderstanding. Uh, What say you, Joe, to both these stories? It seems like yet another lesson from the rented land uh, sort of journey, but but is there anything more we should take from this? Yeah, I mean, a couple things, but first of all, we covered the OnlyFans debacle a couple months ago where OnlyFans basically changed their terms of service without letting people know, and it left a number of content creators uh, off the platform not being able to create content. Here we've got, you know, you've, you've got your big centralized social platforms that are throwing their weight around. I mean, first, let's talk about the Hassan Piker thing. I knew this immediately when it happened, Robert, because my son uh, follows Hassan Piker. So, and and by okay. the way, just so everyone has an idea of how big Hassan Piker is, Hass, uh, he's let's see, over six million cumulative hours of streams have been watched. He's the twelfth twelfth most uh, watched Twitch streamer in history. That's, I mean, and take all the channels on Twitch. This is a big, it's a big deal. He's, he, he has. Yeah, it's the equivalent of, of, of a anchor on CNN or a cable news yeah, show b- being big. Yeah, absolutely. Big deal. Po- the, the number one political commentary person on Twitch, if that, you know, as that, you know, as they t- continue to get more political people, it's Twitch has moved, is moving from a gaming platform to covering all sorts of things. But regardless of, if you don't like his politics, regardless of what he says or the words he used, Twitch, just like any other company, can do whatever they want. And they decided that the use of the word cracker by him and his team was uh, was against their terms of service. So they banned him. And what's the what's the worst thing is, similar to the other example you talked about, they haven't even told him. They just they just did it. They don't even let you know. Right. They just say, oh, you're done. And he's just assuming, Hassan is just assuming it's because of using the word cracker. Because everybody was talking about it. Oh, okay, right. you're done. That's right. You're cut off. And, you know, you and I were talking about this before the program started. But if the New York Times hadn't contacted Meta or Instagram on at Metaverse's behalf, she still wouldn't have her account back. This yeah, is exactly. nuts. So I, I, we're starting to hear more of these things happen where you've got these big platforms that are trying to deal with content creators and rights and this person is allowed to say this and this person isn't whatever. And I just get scared for anyone creating an audience on these platforms because at a moment's notice, it could all be over. 
I mean, look at in Hassan's case. I mean, he has built up an amazing audience. He has multiple revenue streams because of that audience and then wakes up the next day and it's gone. And he can do nothing about it. So regardless of what you feel yeah. about either of these people, um, these, these things are happening and we need to be talking about it more and more because I think it's going to get worse. Yeah, which is, I mean, and what it what it reminds me of is is that you know, first of all, the, 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 my major takeaway, I mean, of course, you know, rented land, right. Yeah. You know, and okay, now we've said it right. You know, so, okay, great. Now let's put that aside for the moment. And the, what it, what it reminds me of both of these things, um, the Hassan, uh, case more than the metaverse case is one of the things that is becoming more and more prevalent is, you know, the ability for platforms to be taken away. And this is, you know, there's a real discussion to be had here about that. Um, the question is, is that in, in Hassan's case, he had no idea, right? He had, there, there, the, the, the terms are unclear. And that's that. what he's complaining about. And yes, he doesn't right. know. He's like, right. He doesn't know whether or not it's allowed or not. And so, and you don't know until you're fired. Basically, because what you have to look at this is, is that, you know, there are plenty of news anchors in the last 18 months that have had the exact same thing happen to them for really bad behavior that we can all agree was awful behavior for questionable behavior that we can have a serious discussion about and for ridiculous behavior that we go, okay, really? Come on. You know, you're getting canceled for that. So all of the above. But the key is, is that they're either getting fired, they're getting laid off, they're getting, you know, and it's the same thing that happened, right? The difference is that one, they got, they, they were employees. So, but, and the second, and the second thing is, you know what you're getting into, right? It was a, it was, you were, you were told or you, you, you were at least knew why you were getting canceled and he got his platform removed basically with no explanation, which ties it to the metaverse thing because she just wakes up one day and her platform is gone and has no understanding of why it's gone. It's just gone. You just, you know, you get an error message and, you know, there's no like letter to her saying, Hey, listen, uh, you know, we've changed our name and it's a big deal. And, you know, we really need you to give this thing up and we're really willing to pay for it. Or we, you know, we really think we have the rights to it or, you know, all those kinds of things. And until we sort it out, we're going to turn you off or whatever it is Un as unfair as that may be, at least she would know it's the, yeah. it, the what I really question is how skilled this these companies are twitch included into this facebook google all the rest of it they're defaulting to this decision of we're just going to take action first see what happens it, and then move forward rather than getting good at it right rather yeah. than sort of getting skilled at at at, at dealing with this cuz there are arguments to be made on both sides guaranteed there are arguments to be made on both sides here but the answer cannot be that we simply walk into this cloud that nobody knows how to navigate and just the big company gets to do whatever they want to do. And if you call them on it and make a big enough stink, you can actually get your day, you know, in quote unquote court. It's like, um, it's like Dr. Evil with his finger on the red button and just getting twitchy. Right. His knee, knee jerk reaction. Oh, yeah. oh, 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 let's just push it and we'll see what happens. And, and, and that's the thing. That's if right. you read, I've read a couple articles on Hassan Piker thing. And Hassan's saying, look, 
if cracker is a word that I can't use, I'll live with that as part of the terms of service. But I don't know. I wasn't. There's no warning. There's nothing. There's just you're done. You're off. And the only reason I know yeah. I'm off is because I go to the page and I can't stream. <laughs> That's the only reason. Like, yeah. I didn't get an email. I didn't get a DM. Nobody said anything. And nobody's even updating him on if anything will ever happen. I, 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 it's, just, it's just nuts. That yeah. It's almost like, yeah, they, they don't. There's no. There's ha- Look at Robert. There has to be a formal process on this, right? They have to have. Oh, they have to get good at it. They have. That's it. That's exactly it. They have. How to start are they to not get good at this? Because these because, these have been around. You know, the they've been around is, is for that, a decade or more now. I mean, how? That's right. Ugh. Yeah. Well, they, they, there's no interest for them to get good at this. There's there's until there's a real interest for them to get good. At, you know, and we've talked about this on the show before with regard to, you know, I mean, we've mostly used Facebook as an example here, which is when we've talked about the regulation of things like fake news and, you know, horrible posts and, you know, nudity and violence and all the things that can get shared on Facebook and, you know, their sort of stance of, you know, free speech and free speech and free speech sort of at the extreme level and no governance over this like traditional media has had forever. And we've talked about the, you know, the that the government at some point is going to step in at some point and do something, we think. But the key is, is that the cost, you know, what has always been brought up in the past as well, the cost of governing and policing this and getting good at it, getting good at actually maintaining ourselves as as true media outlets is so high that we couldn't offer the service, you know, for the same kind of quality if, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I just think that's bullshit. I just think that's a cost of doing business. If you're going to be a social media channel at scale, you have to you have to be able to do this at scale with a certain level of responsibility to um, humans. And it, you just have to be able to well, do it. Otherwise, it's going to get done for you or or whatever. On this program, we've covered almost all of these social platforms that are spending millions of dollars on creator recruitment and helping these creators build an audience. So they're spending millions in yeah. that area, but they're not they're not spending anything on the other side. Where oh, what if we get into some issues? What what are some what's what's some operations policies on that? I, right. What? I I don't. I can just see the meeting. Like, oh, what do we do? And they're, 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 but they're probably all not. They're probably not in the office, right? They're probably using Slack or Discord or something like that. And they're all like, what do we do? And somebody says, just take them down. <laughs> take them down. Just, yeah. Just, well, I guarantee. I guarantee you, every single one of these companies has a PowerPoint or ten floating around that details and outlines what it would take, the costs of what it would take to actually get good at this. To really get good at policing and making sure that they're that they maintain a level of service as well as a standard of service that that is clear for creators, clear for everybody, clear for consumers, and I, I guarantee you that number is is you know would make your head swim. And I and and I, and I'm sure that the people that look at that PowerPoint go, I, nobody wants to touch that with a ten foot yeah. pole. Because it would mean an earnings call, you know, nightmare for for whoever has to give up and say to Wall Street, hey, by the way, we're going to take this huge hit over the next year as we roll out this new, you know, blah, 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 blah. The stock price takes a huge hit, et cetera, et cetera. But here's the funny thing is all they're doing is punting the ball down the field because that will come. It will 
it 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 will come. Yeah. It probably in Europe before it hits here, but it will come. Well, the the Twitch thing, which is a PR management issue, whatever, why they took him down. The other one, Meta, Facebook, whatever they're called now, who owns Instagram, that's just pure evil, in my opinion. That's just pure, like, maybe she won't notice that we're just going <laughs> to take her take her stuff. Yeah. Yeah, because we really, well, the they thing. really it's wanted like, it. it. She wasn't doing anything wrong. She wasn't doing anything different than she right. did for the previous nine years. They just said, right. we want it. Right. Well, if you're that Hassan Piker guy, you know, he's got a platform, right? He gets on NBC. He gets to he gets to stand on a big platform and go help. I'm, you know, I'm being Well, if he gets yeah, asked to go I'm on being, those platforms. If he Yeah. Right, but but that's what I'm saying, right? He has the he, he's because a, he's, he's a, a big somewhat quote, a celebrity. Unquote, celebrity yeah. Correct. That's people are going to pay attention. The people that I worry about is when this happens to like this woman in Australia who had a thousand followers who was, you know, a, a, a very small micro business, I'm sure. Um, you know, I don't know what her meta business is, and and yeah, she's you know, a designer. But, but fashion, the point she's is, is that fashion. it's yeah, yeah, fantastic. You know, without the New York Times getting involved here, we never hear about this. And I guarantee you, there are 14, you know, hundred other examples of this that have happened over the last year and a half that we never heard anything about because they didn't get the story placed in the New York Times and they didn't get, you know, the platform that they need in order to make a big stink about this. It just happened. And there is and there that's are the, and that's there the are dozens, yeah. if not hundreds of examples a day going on right now that we're not covering. Yep. That this is happening happening. Yeah. And by the way, this happens to companies too, right? We you know we talk a lot about the differences between the content creators and companies in marketing and content marketing. This is this is something that we as leaders in marketing teams have to worry about as well. If you know, what what can we say, you know, without getting, you know, our, our complete platform taken away from you. And this is why, like we covered last week, we're seeing some of these bigger brands go, it's just not this worth, not it, worth anymore it Yeah. The, to the, be the, on the, Facebook. Just to wrap this up, the one thing because we covered this when uh, former president Donald Trump were removed was removed from the certain social media right. platforms yep. the difference in that case he got special treatment because he was warned multiple times before they did anything and then they went through their whole process but normal people don't get that so no you just wake up one day yeah. and it's gone i would like us i mean why doesn't why don't everybody get that everybody can get that treatment oh, okay here's what we saw we got a panel looking at it whatever i <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there's just too your many tweets for them flagged, to whatever. Your your show's flagged, you know, it will get, you know, it's going to get flagged first before it gets taken down, all those kinds of things. Yeah, of course. I'm sure it, they have right? that, but they go right to DEFCON 1. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they go from DEFCON 5 exactly. to DEFCON 1. There's no 4, 3, or 2. Right. It's just crazy. Right. You just get nuked. It's <laughs> yeah. their own little war games. Yeah. <laughs> Would you like to play a game? Oh, that was good. <sighs> now we got to watch that oh, Thank movie you. Again. Uh, okay. Oh, it's, it's a great so movie. Good. Great movie. Professor Falcon. What's the... Oh, there's so, so many great lines from that movie. Anyway, uh, the next story here is an interesting one and one that's much more positive. Um, Nike, this comes from Nike News. We're going right to the source. Uh, Nike 
acquires RTFKT. Now, that's a whole lot of letters. Uh, but basically, Nike, as it announced today, the acquisition of RTFKT, a leading brand that leverages cutting-edge innovation to deliver next-generation collectibles that merge culture and gaming. That is a very press release uh, headline and subheadline. <laughs> but basically, what has happened here is that Nike has acquired uh, an NFT company, which is what uh, RTFKT is. They've done a bunch of really interesting art projects, uh, basically starting from their beginning in 2020 uh, by Benoit Pagato, I believe, Chris Lee, and Steven Vasilev. They're a brand that basically is a fashion company for, for all intents and purposes. I would call them a media company, a content company. They create... Game engines, uh, NFTs, blockchain authentication, uh, augmented reality types of experiences. And so they're creating these sort of next-gen experiences primarily focused on NFTs and blockchain. Uh, and in the fashion idea, their their big project of, of last year was a project called Clonex which was a series of avatars that they partnered um, with an artist with. And um, at the time was just kind of met with a meh kind of, you know, response, but had, but since this news, I went and checked on OpenSea and those Clonex sort of what they call mint vials, where you can actually get your own avatar of a Clonex avatar made as an NFT are now going forth. They were, they opened up at like, you know, Two thousand dollars or something like that. They're now upwards of like fifty thousand yep. um, dollars. So uh, it 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 has been very very good for them. Uh, what say you to this? I totally have a take on this acquisition and what's going on with it. But I wanted to get well. Your first take of all, first, congratulations to the three entrepreneurs that started this company uh, twenty months yeah. ago, or whatever it right. was. Yep, unbelievable. Uh, I don't know what they don't know. What the obviously private. Not disclosed price, but unbelievable opportunity. It would take somebody like Nike, who's innovative. I mean, if you if you look, have you read Shoe Dog? It was written by the CEO no, of, of Nike, not. the founder of Nike. On what they were able to do is they always jumped at huge opportunities. I mean, they were the ones, the first ones that threw around like a hundred million dollar programs to, you know, Michael Jordan and whatever and Tiger Woods. They would look at talent and find that talent right away. And they're doing the same thing. And now in the metaverse. If if you look by the way, I don't know if you've looked at some of these designs. Sounds like you have. These designs are amazing. These partnership designs they have with, oh, with Atari yeah, and Adidas beautiful. and some of these other ones. They're yeah. They're fantastic. They're beautiful. And and to your point, uh, some of them are going for a lot of money. Um, I think, I mean, where I think that I'm going with it, I want to hear your take. But this thing about owning digital property is actually starting to go mainstream. Mainstream meaning a couple percent of the population <laughs> is, is actually starting to think about this. And the... Whether you're a shoe dog or a sneakerhead or whatever, it's big business right now. I mean, I know quite a few people that collect shoes and that type of a movement, just like we've seen with comic books and we've seen with art, is moving into the digital space and people want to own a digital shoe. Now, this is just step one because we're not even to the point yet of where the the metaverse is going, where your whatever your avatar is going to be, you'll be able to wear these shoes. 
on your person as you're going into, now, I don't know if this is going to be a year away or two years away or three years away or whatever, but right now Nike just bought the number one brand for NFT digital sneakers. Smart move. Amazing. Yeah. 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 I, I think it is as well. And now to me and the real value here is them acquiring the talent, as you said, right? This has very little to do in my opinion with, you know, avatars or digital art or whatever, except that it has everything with all the, to do with all of those because it is the talent that's being able to do that. So there's no secret that Nike has been building up its content capabilities. Uh, they have an entire studio now devoted here in Los Angeles that does films, that does, you know, all kinds of content, photo, photography, audio, all, you know, feature films. They're, they're, they're leaning in heavily on developing original content. And to me, this is just a piece of that, right? This is a, this is how do we, how do we in one fell swoop acquire an amazing collection of talent that can actually develop things that we're interested in developing. And it's not what, in other words, it's not what they have done. It's what they can do. That's the reason they were acquired. And they're, they're snapping up this talent because they understand that it's going to be, you know, a big, it's a big thing that they're that they're investing heavily in and they're getting it now while the price is low which i think is just a really really smart move by them um the interesting thing is to me on the on the you know one of the things that in some of the coverage that's been out there is and this is starting to come up more and more as as these companies these kinds of companies are acquired is you know they had ambitions like some of the other companies that we would, that we talk about in this space to become a DAO or a decentralized organization where the audiences have just as much say in the furtherance of the company and the finances and all of that. You know because they buy ostensibly they you know they they invest by you know this is not unlike what you see with Tiltcoin and those kinds of things is you become a bit of a decentralized organization where there is a lot of direction by. Uh, a decentralized crew, right? So, and the the interesting thing is, is that some of the takes have been like, you know, is this all just a show? Because by by now becoming part of my, Nike, they have literally become more centralized. Yes. They have become a centralized, Absolutely. you know, organization, you know, selling out to the man, as it were. And what it reminds me so much of is the open source uh, movement back in the early, late 90s and early 2000s. And there were tons right when we were in this hyper 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 creative technology evolution there were so many uh open source initiatives that basically quote unquote sold out to the man and became commercialized right you know you had the mark ewing back in the mid 90s who created uh his own distro of of linux and that, of course, became Red Hat Linux and a commercialized version of Linux open source, which, of course, is now part of IBM at a $50 billion valuation. You had uh, Dries Beitart, who created uh, Drupal. It was an open source content management system. Then they sold out, quote unquote, Drupal to Acquia, which is now a 
billion dollar, you know, CMS and, and other technology company. I mean, there's so much open source software that started out as exactly like these guys, basically five guys in a basement trying to do something that was decentralized and open and free for everybody. You know, you've got Java, Solaris, WebSphere, MySQL, Firefox. I mean, it, I mean, the list goes on and on and on that of the late 90s and early 2000s that all became these commercial or part of commercial juggernauts like Oracle and Microsoft and IBM and all these giant companies that purchase these things to commercialize them. I think exactly the same thing is going to happen here where you've got these decentralized organizations that are going to build valuable things that will be commercialized by bigger, Mm -hmm. bigger brands and companies. And so it's a, it's a fascinating time. And this is, I think a a great data point in, in that journey. No, it's a great point. I don't, I don't think you have to be, I guess I would call it a DAO maximalist or a decentralized maximalist. I think you can have shades of different types of entities and we can all be successful. So if you have a decent... Yeah, just like exactly. the open source. It's the just same like thing. Open source. It was so just, so you know, a company yeah. like Nike is a centralized company with a very traditional leadership and delegation, and they could have ties into many decentralized organizations. They could have projects that are completely decentralized and some that aren't. I mean, if you... I was talking to somebody the other day, but he was talking about, oh, maybe I should launch a DAO. And I said, well, sometimes DAOs make sense and sometimes they don't. Because if you're trying to really move fast into an area and you and you want to make sure that you have group decision making and create some kind of a democratic process because everyone with a token gets a say, sometimes that moves slower than what you want to move. Because you want to get everybody's say. Maybe a DAO doesn't make sense. Or maybe you can create something and then go decentralized. There's a lots of different ways to do it. I mean, I guess if I was launching yeah. today... I. It would be tough for me as an entrepreneur to say, oh, okay, I'm going to uh, now, you know, I'm going to launch this whole thing decentralized and get everybody on board from the beginning. I'd rather launch something, get it going in the direction I think, and then along the way, pick up a whole ton of people and then go decentralized. But what do I know? I guess the point is we can all right. be successful. And uh, and I love this take. It's almost like when you talked about the, you know, the, them hiring, Nike hiring RTFKT for the talent, I almost thought of our discussion on HubSpot buying the hustle because a lot of that is what, you know, they bought Sampar and team with the hustle at the same time. Yes. Are they getting 1.5 million opt-in subscribers? Yes. Are they getting a really good brand called the hustle? Yes. But they're getting access to an amazing team. So I think sometimes we forget about that. And a lot of these hires are about buying the team and not necessarily the product, as you said very well. Yeah, I think that's it. You know, I mean, the more I sort of study what we're really talking about here, you know, is the, you know, it has, you know, I mean, you you spoke to it well, right? You know, the, the art that is getting created here and what they have created in the world of design is beautiful. But at the end of the day, that's, you know, that Nike may not have valued that at all. I mean, they may have. They may have looked at it and went, oh, that's nice. We'll keep the clone X thing and we'll, you know, we'll do something interesting with that for, you know, for what we're going to do in a campaign or what we're going to do in a, you know, as part of a, a product that we'll launch or as part of our metaverse strategy or whatever. But most of this is about what they can do, right? What this team is capable of doing with a vision, the money, the investment that will come mm-hmm. from having Nike. And that is differentiating, right? It is, that is differentiating. And they, and so, the reason this excites me so much is because 
We often cover the acquisition of media companies by brands talking about content marketing. This is next generation that. This is, exi- this is all that is. It's just a next generation acquisition of a media company that has talent that can actually take something to the next level. And we're looking at the future of what that looks like, you know, in five, you know, we'll, we won't see the real magic of this for a couple of years. Well, I, I mean, also it's funny cause it just brought up Atari cause they have a, a Atari RTFKT sneaker, but, uh, I, I'm looking at what's going on right now on OpenSea and all these NFTs, and I, I'm, I'm almost trying to reset myself and say, look, this is the days of the Atari 2600 right now. This just is just yeah, exactly. launching. We don't have any clue where this is going to go. So there's a lot of opportunity here to start testing things. You've got, some, you've got Nike and some really amazing entrepreneurs that are willing to do things on the bleeding edge. Great. Let's go break things. Let's go see what happens. That's what a lot of us should be. And and I love your point about the fact that we always think, oh, media company. Oh, it has to be a video. It has to be a blog. It has to be a f- podcast. I don't think people are thinking that it could be a you know a set of uh, of digital avatars that fit into the metaverse. Like nobody's thinking about that as That's a right. media company, but it or is. Or a video game company, right? Or a video yeah. game company, or a interactive company, or you know, so many other things that can create the new kinds of media that are not associated with, by the way, a television commercial or a film or a blog or a magazine, which is, of course, our classic view of what media companies look like, Mm -hmm. right? And, you know, but when we think about, you know, just, just even looking at, you know, you mentioned Atari, right? The interactive space, the interactive entertainment space is huge. It dwarfs the film business. And so, you know, from a revenue standpoint, you know, those 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 games, you know, games like, you know, Counter-Strike and 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 and, you know, Madden football and, and all of those are, you know, they dwarf the feature films in terms of revenue and the types of things that they do. It is only logical that content marketing is going to start to extend into that world as well that now takes a next step into, okay, what do we do with Oculus and what do we do with, you know, uh, virtual worlds and what do we do with all these things that become part of an entertainment ecosystem? Uh, Sometimes we get in our little bubbles and we think about the things that we do and, you know, we have to remind ourselves that we are not the audience and there's a huge audience of whether you want to call them Gen Z or whatever, younger people that are all about video games day and night or part of their uh, experiences involved video games, interactive content. And that is so right now is already such a huge part of our culture and spending. And it's only going to get bigger and it's totally going to dwarf anything that you and I take our time to invest in from a you know content creation or a content experience standpoint. We just forget. We just forget. I mean, and it's it's yeah. easy it's easier for me because I've got two kids that are coming home from college and I can walk into their rooms and I can see what they're doing. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're you know, they're on Minecraft, they're on Valorant, they're on um, there's there's all this digital property being sold back and forth. I mean, I'm like, what? Now, this is the stuff that you and I are just starting to talk about. They've been doing it for three, four years. <laughs> We're just catching up. That's right. So I feel behind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know we're not I behind. Um, like just, people think that, oh, we're talking about this stuff. We're we're sort of where we need to be. But I don't know about you. I always feel behind. Every day I listen to a podcast or I read an article or whatever, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm oh. way behind. Like, what 
the heck is happening? Right. How do I, how did I not know about that? Right. That's that's what I keep saying to myself. How did I not know about that? This news can break up like how did I know and not not know about this company? Oh, my gosh. I, and it's just yeah, I'm in the same space where I'm like, I feel like I'm constantly I mean, and by the way, I'm totally excited by it. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm totally you know, I was I was telling someone the other day, I feel at this moment very much like I felt in 1996 and 1997 when I would sit at my computer late at night and I taught myself HTML and I taught myself how to do make websites and I taught myself because I, I just felt like that was the thing I needed to know about. And, you know, I'm in 1996, I'm just sitting in front of my little, my, my little PC, my, my little horrible little, you know, computer trying to learn how to do HTML and build a website. And because I knew it was coming, I, I, and, and it just felt so exciting and so overwhelming. I'm in that same mindset right now. Well, I, I think that's the right, <laughs> I think you're in the right position. Yeah. It's, it's just, we're just learning something completely new. And that's what, uh, yeah. I mean, especially on the marketing, I mean, you're more on the marketing side, and I'm more on the creator side. It's moving faster on the, on yeah. the content creator side. But I think that's where you have an advantage. Totally. Yeah. Because... As a marketer, especially marketers at larger enterprises, we covered the Marriott NFT thing last week. They're not taking the risks yet. So we're still at this, uh, you know, almost like Web 1.0 model of them getting into the Internet. So they're just starting to dip their toes in. And so that's why like, you're at a really great spot talking to marketing people. I just talked to it. I, I just talked to a, a CMO of a technology company, small technology company. They focus on content and sales enablement and, you know, building in sort of these training uh, portals as well as, you know, sort of, you know, external uh, marketing portals for thought leadership and all that kind of stuff. And they sell to B2B companies. They just bought a company last year that does virtual worlds, that builds metaverses um, for events. Yeah. And they've already started to sell to manufacturing companies. The CMO was saying, he goes, it's coming. He said, we've already sold to a few manufacturing companies, to a couple of uh, retail companies, and a couple of other uh, technology companies. These, this platform that allows you to build in uh, a metaverse for sales enablement, where sales teams can go into a world and collaborate on content and collaborate on presentations to deliver. He said, it's, it's our fastest growing product. It's amazing. Here it comes. Yeah. I just don't know. If, I just don't All know how right. fast it's going to be implemented into a large enterprise. No, it's slow. Yeah, it's it's yeah, yeah it's slow. It's going to be slow. It's we got we we're in early innings here for sure. Early early yep. innings. Yeah, and and we don't have a bunch of guys uh, on the bench with COVID. That's, <laughs> that's the good news. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for your empirically proven favorite part of the show. It is our rants and rave section uh, where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave that makes us feel like, you know, Mr. Big that just got off of a Peloton bike or makes us feel like Mr. Big who just got off of a Peloton bike. Um, so let's see. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go first. I've got, go a, first I've got a really it. quick rave. Okay. Uh, you, you and I are friends with, with Jay Kunzo. Uh, he's he does some amazing work. He's got a couple different podcasts, in particular this one. Uh, he has the Unthinkable podcast, and he was nice enough to let me voice my quote unquote expertise 
in differentiate content differentiation as well as some tactics that content creators use to uh, get past their fears, if you will. So he did a whole special. This is called Maker Monsters. This is the third episode. I was one of the creators focused, uh, featured, and there were two other much better creators on this as well. But I listened to it. I don't know how you are about this stuff, but you know, when, when I'm on a podcast or featured in something, I always like to spend some time and listen to it, see how, you know, how do I sound? How is it produced? You know, give a little shout out to the person who, who had me on. This was a really helpful episode because I don't know about you. And we were just talking about some of this. Sometimes as a content creator, you, you feel like you have imposter syndrome or you feel like, uh, nobody's going to like my content or why am I doing this in the first place? Or I don't have the the right differentiation here. I'm copying what a hundred other people are doing. This podcast, that I'll put in the show notes, Maker Monsters, Monsters 3 that Jay put together, covers this. So I started listening to it, Robert. And, you know, because I'm listening to, whoa, what did I say? I don't even remember. Like, was it any good? I hope it was. And then he goes through the show. First of all, Jay does a great job producing his show, much different than ours where we just go straight through. He actually <laughs> produces the show. It has cuts and music <laughs> and things like that. does a really good job. But I actually learned a lot about, you know, what are we, what are we thinking about, you know, budgetary issues what do we think about you know how we need to get past some of these fears when we think about publishing what makes the most sense so if you're a content creator and you're dealing with let's say some fears that maybe you're not good enough this is a really good episode to listen to to get you back on your feet and i guess uh i'll kind of cut to the end where i thought the most important advice that I gave and, and the other creators gave is sometimes you just have to go and publish it. Stop with the strategy. You've done your work. Go ahead and do the thing. And you kind of have to learn on the job because as everyone will say that it's created any content, you figure out a lot of things once you start creating and publishing the content that you can't figure out ahead of time. So anyways, yeah. just hats off to Jay and his wonderful guests and, and just uh, wanted to give a shout out, put it in the show notes. And, and I hope for any of you that are a little bit tentative with your content creation, this will help you. Yep. Awesome. I love that. Well, I mean, you know, we've watched, we've watched Jay evolve, right? I mean, it's been amazing to watch his story and his journey over the last decade as he's become just an incredible artist when it comes to putting together. Shows. You know, it's funny. Do you remember um, the Jay? And when we when we met Jay, Jay was at HubSpot, and, and that was I at a, that was at that a time. Sure. We're yeah. friends now, but at that time, you know, CMI and HubSpot were a little bit adversarial because you know they were doing inbound marketing right. and we were doing content marketing and and the whole thing. Right. And you know, I, I remember because Jay and I spoke at the same event. And I think he said something like he'll, he'll have to get back. His memory is better than mine. But he says, you know, I didn't know if you were a jerk or not. Because <laughs> he was, you know, because you don't know until <laughs> nice. you meet somebody. But we're like, we're shaking hands and we're That's like, right. hey, you know, we're just we're just two Italians here talking to each other. So it was it was good. We met in person and we've been friends ever since. So it's been fun. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, mine is uh, I am. So I'm shouting out to something that is actually hopefully useful for all of you. Um, certainly those of you who are thinking about creating, uh, you know, gated content behind uh, a blog or, or really any kind of gated content, a membership oriented site uh, and use WordPress. Um, you may have heard me lament 
on the few episodes ago, four or five episodes ago, about there needs to be an easier way to start to integrate in things like wallets and tokens and those kinds of things, this Web 3.0 technology into what we're doing currently with content. And there is a new, uh, uh, basically it's a WordPress plugin, although there are many other integrations with other CMSs that uh, this company that makes this also have done. It's called Unlock Protocol. Um, uh, we'll link it in the show notes because it's just a, not an affiliate link. Just it's just a link because I, I just I'm absolutely in love what these guys are doing. Um, it's a basically what they've done is they've created a, a WordPress plugin, which allows you to make a login for your website if you use WordPress, and of course, as I mentioned, other others as well that basically uses a wallet-based technology. Uh, so if you have a MetaMask wallet or a Coinbase wallet, or and they've got tons of, they're connected to a, a bunch of the different networks in terms of the way you do this. There's a, If you go to the link, what we were putting in the show notes, there's a demo website where you can see how it works. Basically, it's this, right, where you can sell memberships. Let's say you wanted to sell memberships to a subscription-only blog, a subscription-only newsletter, or and you wanted to sell it for and and basically take credit cards. You could wanted to take uh, you know ETH. You wanted to take Bitcoin. You know whatever it is, you can actually do that now. And so what it does is it allows you to create locks, which might which are individual NFTs, which are basically keys to get into your website. So you go through their little tool. You say, "Hey, I want to create a hundred, you know, of this particular type of access to this particular type of content. Maybe it's your resource center, or maybe it's your online learning platform, or whatever it happens to be." And then when people come to that, they can basically use and pay if you want to charge them money. You don't have to charge them money. You can give them access through their MetaMask wallet or through their Coinbase wallet or whatever. And basically, it obfuscates the need for collecting an email address. But you get your audience, which is an addressable audience, into your particular you know, WordPress site. And it comes with a lot of different things where you can, you know, you can make an image if you want to make it like a cool little NFT with an image and a piece of art with it. You can, you know, you can have it randomly create images um, or assign images based on their, you know, which user they are or which number they are. You can, they can resell it. They can resell their membership. So, for example, if you're a membership of a particular uh, website, they could then resell it on OpenSea as a NFT to someone else. If it goes up in value, the access to your online class or whatever, it's just a first step and it's pretty basic plugin. But to me, this is a great and real progressive utility that is actually showing what smart contracts can be for marketing. And I've already got it implemented on this little thing that I'm working on for launching in the new year. Um, I'm really excited about it. Uh, again, I get nothing out of this. I don't know them. I don't know anything about them. I heard about it online and went and downloaded it and played with it over the weekend. And I'm, I just think it's super. I cool. like the fact that you can plug in your MetaMask wallet or whatever your crypto wallet is, and at the same time, you can use credit card. That's that's, that's pretty, right. That's pretty nice. Yeah. So what happens is, is that yeah, what happens is, is if you sell like if you have a hundred tickets, let's call them tickets to your your private area of your blog or whatever, or your resource center or your online class. So you have a hundred tickets, and 
if basically if they use their MetaMask, they are created as a subscriber using their ID of their their MetaMask wallet or or their you know Coinbase wallet, whatever wallet you know you want to you want to uh, align it with. If they use a credit card, what they then do is the unlock company sends them via email basically the the NFT that which is their key to get in, which will contain a username and password. And that enables them to get into the site or whatever using their username and password. But it also enables them, if they want to, then to set up their own wallet and all that kind of stuff to be able to pull it in and all that kind of stuff. So they become your, I think the technical term is, I think it's called gatekeeper or gate agent. Um, you might know better no, than I don't. me. It's, oh. it's, a, it's an actual, it's an actual thing that is. You become, you know, they will act as an agent of issuing tickets for you. Uh, it's it's just really cool. It's just really really neat. And again, really basic. There's not a lot of functionality here. It's it's free, by the way. It's not it doesn't cost you any money to to actually have this thing. It costs you money to actually issue what they call a lock because you have to actually pay the gas fees to get that done. But you know, uh, it, it's it's free to use, and it's just I, I think. I'm really excited about it because it's actually it's actually works. It's actually something that works for a utility in, in marketing. And I'm I just cool. want to point out to everyone listening that three months ago you would have never talked about something like this. Ever. No, I wouldn't have. I would not and have. I'm but I, so I think I've stayed true. I've stayed true to the whole. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. For, oh my God! I've made Joe Polizzi proud, I'm ladies so and gentlemen. So proud of you. That is so. I'm so oh, excited. This is so excited. Amazing. I made Joe proud. <laughs> but in all honesty, I, to me, this is this is what it's supposed to be, right? This is what smart contracts and NFC are supposed to be. And I mean, as I'm reading through the documentation, as they start talking about how. If you really want to get into it, like if you really wanted to geek out with this stuff, you could have tickets that connect to other smart contracts. In other words, you could create your own smart contract that says, hey, once you buy a ticket, you can share it with five friends. Well, now, basically, you could create a smart contract that basically shares it with five friends or gives that capability. And that NFT could link to another NFT that does that. It's just to build in the sort of if-then parts of smart contracts and have those as containers uh, of, you know, this is why, by the way, uh, the way I've been explaining NFTs lately, it's a verb. It's not a noun. It's it. This is what you do. You agree to something. And the, the only question is, what do you agree to? And that's, to me, you can build, you can build some really cool. No, I, actually, that's, that's this. a nice way to put it, because that's what I've been trying to tell people is that it's not the JPEG. It's what the JPEG represents. What's the right. agreement underneath? Right. So that's right. Very good. It's a verb. Like it. Nice. Yeah. So we're almost to the holiday season. What do you got going on? We are. I, you know, I'm winding down. I have to say, you know, winding down a few client engagements, winding down some writing. Uh, my little project that I'm launching early next year will stay hot and heavy over the holidays as I'll play with that. But that's just and, fun. And you're an, are and you, then, yeah, I know you've talked about your little project a couple times. Are you, do you have a date when you're going to tell this audience what you're doing? I have... I have a date that I'm sticking to. I have not. I'm not ready to release that date to the public okay. just as yet. I might before the end of the year. It just depends on a couple. There's a couple of things that are sort of hinging on launch dates um, that I'm waiting on. But but and as soon as those things become reality, then 
and they're not in my control, sadly. So, so if, if when those things become reality or not, I'll be ready to launch a date. So hopefully before the year end, I'll have right. a date for everybody. All right, audience. I'm anticipating it. That's, that sounds. It's fun. Sounds like something amazing. And yeah, and like I said, with me, uh, we've got the whole family back now. Uh, we'll, well, we will because tomorrow I'm, I'm taking a drive to get my youngest, and uh, you know we'll have about a month back to where it was. So I don't know how we're going to get along. I'm sure it's going to be great. <laughs> I just we it's just went fantastic. from you know no kids in the house to now we've got our two back. So, but it'll be great. It's great. It's going to be great seeing them. Yeah. And spending uh, spending the holidays with them, and and uh, I'm I'm assuming they're going to be hopefully a little bit more mature, or have new things to talk about. Yeah, I don't know. You should. I don't know. The the latter is true. The former is we, not. We don't. Yeah, we don't know. They're, they're, I'm definitely not more. They're mature. college. They're they're college yeah, boys. I, they're college. Remember what you were like as a college boy. They're yeah, I haven't boys. changed much. That's I'm, yeah. I'm still. That is not even a little bit true. <laughs> I, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask your wife about that, but I know yeah, that to be not yeah, even some a little things bit true. I've changed. Huh? Just a few. I, yeah, that's I'm now right. I'm, yeah, I'm balding, yeah. and or I have been balding, and my metabolism is slower than it ever has been before. So, well, that's what I mean in so <laughs> exactly. many ways. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that is it with uh, Joe's metabolism. We are signing off. Uh, if you want to get all the goodness, of course, of everything we talked about today, this podcast show notes or any of the other 301 episodes, why don't you just get on over to our website at thisoldmarketing.site. Uh, remember, hashtag us up. We love those story ideas. Coming through the hashtag is always great. Um, we love that. So hashtag us up at this old marketing and share and share and share alike. And until we meet again, remember, folks, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing.